I think we really have to think about the long-term effects and the resources available to nurses to be emancipated from that feeling of being trapped. Welcome to The Happy Nurse, the podcast that encourages nurses to offer themselves the same compassion that they so freely give to others. I am Elena, a registered nurse on a mission to reduce burnout in nursing. Let's jump in. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of The Happy Nurse podcast. As always, I'm Elena and today I am joined by Janie. Janie is a registered nurse with over 20 years nursing experience in emergency, midwifery, remote nursing, management and oncology. In the fast-paced demanding nursing profession, the area she finds most important is making time for empathy and building relationships. The heart of nursing is about the comfort you bring to a person in their most vulnerable moments. And for so long, that energy has been focused on the patients. So it recently struck her that emerging stress, burnout and exhaustion facing so many nurses around the world has revealed the importance of healing the healers. In a caring profession predominantly serviced by empaths, the capacity for burnout has been present since the beginning of time. Through in a pandemic and what we can see is nurses who feel they have no choice but to walk away from a profession they love in order to manage and save their own exhausted bodies and mental health. Janie wants to change this. She wants to give nurses a space to nourish their bodies, minds and souls in an effort to heal, in an effort to nurse. She's passionate about being proactive in her approach to battling burnout and learning research-based stress reduction exercises. She's currently working on developing a new business called R&R, a retreat-based business primarily focused on alleviating the accumulated physical signs of trauma and bringing restorative solutions to nurses, health professionals and frontline workers. Welcome Janie, it's so exciting to have you on the show. I can't wait to have this conversation. Thank you so much for having me, I'm so excited to be here. I was really excited when you reached out to me and told me what you were doing and this vision that you've got. I think it's, it's amazing, it's so needed it's an idea I've played with and just not ever had time to do anything about. So I'm so excited that someone's actually doing it. Thank you. I'm getting it started. It's it's a huge idea and it and it escalates quickly in my mind. The minute I start thinking of ideas, it just snowballs and turns into something huge. And I mean, it has huge potential because there's so many nurses in Australia and we're all burnt out, let's face it. There's not many nurses that are just in the happy nurse space yet and so that's what you and I can do together huh yeah definitely as you see <laughs> there's, there's I think there's half a million of us in Australia I'm sure Mark Aitken from nurse and midwife support told me that there's there's half a million of us we're like our own small army yeah it is a small army yeah <laughs> but as you say you know we're past burnout this pandemic has really snowballed us and we're just we're beyond burnout now and that's something that I've acknowledged recently as well on the podcast you know it's it's no longer about prevention for a lot of people it's about recovery absolutely the um I was reading when I was doing a bit of research for this business model that I'm developing I was looking at the terms burnout and compassion fatigue and I guess that often leads us to believe the problems coming from within us and 
maybe the connotations that we're not strong enough to handle the issue at hand, but realistically a better term to digest and normalize is moral injury. Have you got any experience with that? Yeah, I've heard of all three of the terms and I think moral injury puts the emphasis more on to the environment that we're coming from that's creating the burnout and the compassion for Yeah, most definitely. I also saw something recently, a really cool quote. Someone said, how about we change the viewpoint of burnout? Like I'm paraphrasing here. I can't remember what it exactly said. And they're like, we stop calling it burnout and we call it exploitation. I went, whoa, that's powerful. (laughs) Because you could almost put it in the same bracket in some cases. Well, look, the other thing that really struck me is that nurses are feeling undervalued. They're feeling trapped. They're feeling exhausted. They're feeling like, I guess, unseen and unheard. And it's, for me, the penny drop that it it feels like you're in an emotionally abusive relationship with your employer. And the feeling, the feeling associated with being a nurse right now is not too far distant from the feeling of being a domestic violence victim. And I feel like there's so many parallels there and, and so many domestic violence victims are women as well. And I think we really have to think about the long-term effects and, and the resources available to nurses to, to be emancipated from that feeling of being trapped. You make a really good point, actually, is there are some parallels to draw from there, definitely. And Mm. the one thing that I've really noticed in recent months, especially, is the gaslighting going on by the government. You know, oh, the healthcare's fine. The nurses are coping. We're not. We're drowning. We, You know, and it's like they won't even acknowledge that there is a problem. They're just gaslighting us. And again, is another form of emotional abuse. So, right. Yeah. Even being stifled in being able to verbalise how you're feeling, like the attempt to stop the strike and now the paramedics being told they're not allowed to strike, it's quashing our right to discuss what our rights are. You know, it's it's quashing our outlet for, you know, even just letting the public know what's going on and how people in this profession are feeling because from the people that I talk to in business, they don't really fully comprehend what it feels like to be a nurse or a health responder right now and when you start talking about your experiences people are quite shocked and I don't see why they should be you know we should have more of a platform for being able to discuss what it feels like to be a nurse in this day and age. I completely agree with you and what they tried to do in New South Wales was shocking trying to stop that strike and Yeah, I don't know the outcome of that. I kind of don't follow the news, which I should, but... No, you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing good on it. (laughs) Did anything come of that strike, like, apart from making the public aware what's going on? So there hasn't really been an outcome as far as I've seen, but the strike did go ahead. Yeah. And there was a lot of great media... And some really, you know, some really witty signs by nurses, which I was very proud of. <laughs> so it look, it did get a lot of the message across and a lot more people have at least an awareness of the difficulty of being a nurse at this current time. 
but it actually hasn't changed for such a long time. It's just intensified. And nurses were feeling exhausted and burnt out before COVID. We were looking for a raise before COVID. We were looking for ratios before COVID. And, you know, to hear people like, well, I guess to hear people in positions of power and leadership saying that we're well prepared or that we can tolerate it, we can, our hospitals can handle it, it's just outrageous. You know, from coming from inside the hospital, I just don't know where that information is coming from and what it's based on because from what I've seen and from the days that I've been managing, whether it's been the hospital or the, or the local department, it doesn't feel like it is capable. And that's the story I'm hearing a lot is that, mm-hmm. yeah, like I don't work in the public sector, so I've got no idea of what's going on. But it's, yeah, I hear this story all the time. And it is, it's that whole dismissal, you know. Mm. I mean, I got in this whole big debate last year on LinkedIn because on a similar thing, I wrote an article about how I hate the term resilience resilience yes I actually heard this yeah I read it it was amazing (laughs) I got so attacked for that really yeah because I think why because people were like they just couldn't see my point of view whereas I'm like no we need to be more compassionate to ourselves and to other people yeah and allow these emotions to come up we can't just keep pushing them down pushing them down pushing them down or be more resilient yeah i've been told to be resilient all my life and it wasn't until the 30s the pressure valve went pop and it's like oh here it all comes out again we can't just keep going on the hamster wheel yeah but yeah i got there was a lot of people supported me but there was some people got very very triggered by it <laughs> they're not your people (laughs) no no they're not my people at all but (laughs) it was really interesting to watch it all unfold yeah I can imagine because that's another gaslighting word in my vocabulary when it comes to no I'd I'd 100% agree yeah you can't yeah tell us to be resilient but give us the resources to do it don't just say you need to be more resilient Yeah. yeah nurses are innately resilient like you know someone that's telling nurses to be resilient hasn't been a nurse yeah. You've been resilient since day one. Yeah. Yeah. You've found these um, kind of maladaptive coping strategies right from the start, <laughs> don't you? <laughs> and I guess, you know, in my nursing, in my undergrad, I really would like to have been taught more mindfulness, well, actually some mindfulness, because it's not taught and there's not a lot of direction to channel your coping mechanisms and how to deal with that stress and grief and burnout, exhaustion. There's not a lot of discussion about it. And there really should be more support systems in place, well-established. Like this this is long overdue. This is not a new idea. It's just long overdue. Yeah, it's so long overdue. Mm. And I had a really good discussion with a gentleman last year, Kenny Gibson, and he's the national, I think, deputy head of safeguarding the NHS and he's a nurse Mm. who's come up through the ranks or whatever you want to call it and got himself into that position and he said you know the same as what I my sentiments are we need to be advocating for nurses to be exposed to mindfulness practice self-awareness as well like because we're all so empathic you know it's one of the reasons that we go into nursing and 
we start to take on stuff of the patients without realizing we are and we let it affect us. So we need to know where we stop and they begin, you know, and we don't get taught this. No. Like, especially in the culture we live in nowadays, you know, there's, we're so overwhelmed or overstimulated or constantly bombarded with messages from the media. And yeah, knowing where we are and like where our boundary is and where someone else's is, is so important in my book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So on that note, I'm always on about self-care, as you know, it's the whole premise of the podcast. And I talk about having a non-negotiable in self-care. What would be your non-negotiable, Jeannie? My non-negotiable would have to be breathing. I definitely think, you know, you think that it's, um, you think that it's just so easy and that, you know, we're obviously all breathing, you know, what is breathing, but I've been looking into breathing techniques since I started, I guess, manifesting a bit more anxiety, probably at the start of COVID and I had a lot of fear and I, I changed workplace. And my workplace wasn't necessarily that supportive and it felt quite clinical and I felt very overwhelmed and I didn't feel like I was adequate. Despite the fact that I've got 20 years experience, I didn't feel like that translated very well or that it was valued, which made me really second guess myself and it made me feel inadequate. And I had this mad imposter syndrome and I just... You know, when you start to get on that spiral of feeling inadequate, then you just have all this self-doubt and you start to make mistakes and you start to, you know, not have great time management skills and all the things that you traditionally do quite well when you're in that situation where you're doubting yourself and you're thinking, you know, what's going wrong with me? It just perpetuates. It's just, you know, it's definitely got into a negative cycle and COVID really did not help that. So I reached out to my brother, who's very much in a health and wellness space. And he talked to me about breathing techniques, which he does a Wim Hof method. And so I looked up Wim Hof and I was like, I don't want to do an ice bath. That sounds horrible. (laughs) This is the middle of winter too. So anyway, I, I started gently with the cold shower. And I noticed that when I'm having a cold shower that I did focus on my breathing and I was much more deliberate and definitely filling my lung spaces so much more effectively. And I came out feeling invigorated and alive and I had clarity. So I started taking a cold shower every day before work and I started really focusing on my breathing. I've done a few breathwork courses, watched a lot of videos on how to, you know, different techniques in breathing. And I find that it's a really quick, effective way to de-escalate my nervous system and really get back into a space where I can think clearly. Because a stressed brain can't think. I always say that to my kids. And so we just are focusing more on breathing deliberately, getting back into the moment, noticing your body, and just slowing down. So my non-negotiables would have to be breathing Definitely water. If it's not a cold shower, I love swimming in the ocean. I was a surfer growing up and I'm probably 20 minutes too far away from the beach right now. But I do like to get out for a surf every now and then. And I love to just go and dip in the ocean. It just, it feels amazing, particularly when I'm not overwhelmed with seaweed like I was yesterday. But hey, I'll take it. (laughs) 
bless you. <laughs> I love that we're going down this rabbit hole because I love breathwork too. I'm an avid fan and I participate in it as well. And it is what you see, you know, the effects are, they're amazing. You can go into that session feeling really stressed and anxious and you walk out a different person. Mm. I recently took a photo of myself on the beach because I go to a session on a Saturday morning at a local beach. And um, I took a photo after we'd done the breath work and then we go in the ocean for a swim as well. And mm. I took this selfie of myself and I posted it online and everyone's like, oh, my God, Alina, you're radiant. And all these really positive comments. And I'm like, that's because I just done breath work. Yeah, yeah. You could see it. I bought a um, breathwork and ice bath experience for my husband for his birthday. And I wasn't quite sure if it was going to end in joy and connection or divorce. I, it was like a 50-50. <laughs> so thankfully, we're still married and he enjoyed it. But normally, I'm the one that pushes him to do things that are crazy. I'm kind of the, the frivolous one. He's a more considered person in our relationship. And this time, I was so proud of him. He got into the ice bath first, way before me, because I was distracted as per usual. And there he was taking his ice bath and he sat in there for an entire three minutes. So set the standard straight up and he got out, you know, unfazed by it. And he's like, this is actually really good. But um, the next week our spa broke. We had this inflatable spa in the backyard and the spa broke. So my little boys had the brilliant idea to turn it into an ice bath. So off we went down to the local service station. We bought three bags of ice, <laughs> threw it in there, and it was kind of manky and a little bit, you know, a little bit scungy. It'd been sitting there too long. <laughs> oh, wow. It really didn't have the same effect. It's the uh, spa's taken a nice little leave of absence now. But a good shower does work miracles for me too. Yeah, the cold therapy was very powerful as well. Mm. It's been a while since I've gotten a nice bath, but I do regularly have cold showers. Mm, so helpful. It just brings that whole sympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system back into alignment because yeah. when we're stressed, we're not breathing properly. You know, we're in that fight or flight. We're panting sometimes almost. We're breathing in the top of our lungs by really reconnecting into that breath and breathing fully. It's sets off a whole chain of chemical reactions to calm the amygdala down and I don't have to tell everyone you know we're all nurses we know how it all works but you know when you actually start thinking about it it all makes sense you know on a scientific basis as well so absolutely but do you know what I don't think nurses are very good at connecting what's happening anatomically to themselves we're terrible at it like you can tell me this and I go oh yeah that makes absolute sense of course I know that but I never really gave it much thought until recently. And I think it might have been a psychologist or maybe it was a podcast or something I was listening to that was talking about sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And I was like, oh, oh, that's why, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Why don't I just work on de-escalation tools rather than, you know, going to therapy, you know, and, you know, talking about all, you know, dragging up the past which I'm pretty sure I've done for a really long time. It hasn't made a big difference to my body. You know, I'm, I'm in a good place mentally, but my I'm noticing that my body is still sore. And, you know, I have to, when I started working out, that's another one, exercise is another non-negotiable for me. But I did, I got a PT and really 
went at it and I gave it, I gave it a lot of energy and I felt amazing, but I was also a little bit out of balance because I had so many career goals and it was consuming and getting to the gym was quite challenging. So now we've got a little home gym set up and we're just trying to do that consistently a couple of times a week rather than making it, you know, too prominent in my life. So I struggle with balance. And so that's what I've been really cognizant of in the last couple of months is finding a good balance of my non-negotiables and not just having one or two non-negotiables, but having non-negotiables from each of those five different aspects that you particularly talk about in self-care. So, you know, I'm kind of ticking off something mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually, my doing a little bit of indulgence, but I'm making sure that I'm not giving too much, too much time and energy to one. And they can all overlap. That's the thing. You know, you can do something like some people like their physical self-care, like you're talking about. Mm. Like some people love to run, but to them, that's a meditation as well. And that's also indulgence because they don't get to do it that often. So, you know, you can take off a few yeah. with one activity. So That's right. Yeah. And the other one is sleep. Sleep is the other thing that I'm, I'm a bit of a habitual night owl, have been since I was a kid. But when I get all my kids into bed, then I actually get some time, you know, without the mom, I'm hungry. You know, I just, I get a little bit of time just to really focus on what I need to get done. So, you know, maybe an hour of productivity at the end of the day is great, but before they're awake is even better. Yeah. A lot of people are doing the 5am thing nowadays, aren't they? Getting up before yeah. before their kids so that they can focus on themselves. And I think it's so important, especially as a busy working parent, you know, we're so focused on work, on our the kids, our relationships, we forget to take some time for ourselves. So yeah, if you can mm. get an hour somewhere um, in the day, then yeah, go for it. Definitely. Yeah. Sleep's a big one for me as well, I must admit. And people who listen to the podcast regularly will know that. Like, I am not a nice person if I haven't slept. <laughs> That's why I haven't done nights since I was a student. Me too. <laughs> I, I had to give up nights after my third kid because I had him at, I think I was 40 when I had my last little boy. And staying awake through the night just made me a banshee. I was not a good version of myself. And I said to my husband, you know what? I can't go back to night shift. I need to find another way because I am not a great version and my circadian rhythm is done. My circadian rhythm just quits. Yeah. So I need to make sure that I can manage my body and make and stop the uh, aging process <laughs> a little bit if possible. <laughs> It does. I mean, last semester at uni, I did um, one of the units was biopsychology and we looked heavily into the circadian rhythm and the impact of shift work is incredible. It's something that we don't talk about enough, you know. Mm. I won't go down that rabbit hole right now. but <laughs> We'll need another hour. <laughs> God, we could talk all day, I imagine. But yeah. <laughs> It's really, it's not good for us. No. And the constant switching between the two is even worse. It is. But do you know what? I've been in a, like a Monday to Friday role for the last couple of years. And as much as I love it and I love that my body is back to a, a better state, I felt like I was more productive when I did shift work. 
So afternoon shifts are probably best for me because I can be really productive in the morning and then still go to work and get eight hours of work in. Whereas at night I'm putting the kids to bed, we have dinner, it's lovely, but not necessarily the best, most effective, consistent use of my time. So I've kind of, I'm in a space where I'm dabbling in lots of different pies at the moment and I'm casual in lots of different places and I'm just trying to work out the best fit for me and what works with spending time on my business, spending time on my self-care, spending time, you know, doing some shifts and staying relevant, stay, you know, staying up to date. So I'm just finding, oh, lost you, finding a new balance. Oh, there you are. Yeah, I'm just finding a new balance in what my life looks like. And that's the key. That is the important thing. You know, you have to play around Mm. and find what works for you because nursing is, there's so many different aspects to nursing. You know, you can, you can go down so many different pathways and you can come back up them and change them and come to crossroads. And, you know, there's so many different areas we can work in. Yeah. It's finding the one that suits you. I mean, I will openly admit I am not a ward nurse. I did six months <laughs> on the wards when I qualified and I was like, oh, my God, I think I've done the wrong thing. And then I found theatre and I've been in theatre ever since, you know, mm. all different kinds of theatre. Yeah. But that's my happy place and I'll quite openly admit that that is my happy place I love it especially recovery that's where I am most of the time now but I hear you you know like yesterday I did a late shift and you do you're so productive in the morning I got heaps of stuff done before I went to work and then yeah I'd even had my dinner ready and I, I came home last night and yeah I didn't have to think I just kind of chilled out because well the kids are with their dad this week anyway I don't have them here but you know, it's, yeah, the shift work can be good, but the nights are, that's a non-negotiable no for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah no. the nights are not my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard boundary. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you've mentioned briefly about my model with the mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgent aspects of the self-care. What would be your idea of indulgent self-care retreat (laughs) yeah exactly yeah 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 rn retreats (laughs) www.rnretreats.com yeah (laughs) um no joking a massage is definitely high on my hit list and acupuncture is the other one that's huge for me i just I started acupuncture when I was pregnant with my second boy because I'd had an emergency seizure with the first, I'd become a midwife and I was so dedicated to having a home birth. And I really wanted that feeling of vindication that I could do it. And I spent most of my masters in midwifery pretty much looking into vaginal births after cesareans and how I can make that happen. I absolutely ticked everything off the list. And so acupuncture was one of those things to make sure that the baby was in a good position. But then I fell asleep. The very first time I had it, I was just out cold and she left me for for a good 45 minutes. And I went, oh my gosh, this is what I've been missing out on. This is, it's like a body reset. And when I've been having a good amount of acupuncture, I've been back to the massage therapist and he goes, what have you been doing? This is the best your body has felt 
in such a long time. And I feel like as somebody that's operated in that fight or flight for such a long time, I feel like that is a great way for me to just reset and de-escalate my nervous system and feel like I can just think again. And I feel a little bit like I'm floating. And that to me is better than any bubble bath. (laughs) I get bored really easily in the bubble bath and my husband will be, you know, thinking he's so lovely and bring me in a glass of wine. But then I'm just sitting there by myself and I don't want to be there any longer. So it doesn't last very long. It's not something that works for me long term. But I have tried a float tank and I did that pretty recently last year and I doubted whether I'd have the attention span to stay in there for too long. It was an hour, I think it was. Yeah, it was about an hour. And I played the music and then the lights went down. It's full of magnesium, so you float. And I was thinking I was going to be looking for something to do or playing with my phone. But I got in there and I, you know, I started just doing the breathing and visualizing where I was and, and just focusing on relaxing. And I actually fell asleep and it was so, I wanted to, I'm a side sleeper. So I wanted to roll over. <laughs> stingy eyes, stingy eyes. <laughs> so I had to resist the temptation to roll over in the tank. but I did experience a real clarity of mind. And that was actually the time when I started getting lots of business ideas and it started me on this little trajectory of, you know, what could my life look like? How could I, if I wanted to reinvent myself, what could that look like? And yeah, so it's been a bit of a journey since really since the end of last year. That's amazing. Mm. I love a float tank as well. I fall asleep in them too. Like I'm in there. I don't have any music on. I turn the lights off. Within, I think, five minutes, I'm out. And then the next thing that's making the noise and it's finished. I'm like, oh, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) I know. I didn't feel like long enough. And then I started thinking, what if I just buy a bunch of magnesium and dump them in my bath? (laughs) I always put Epsom salts in the bath. Like that's something. Enough to float? No, not to float, no. (laughs) I would take a whole... I think there's... Someone told me there's half a ton in those tanks. Yeah, there's... I feel like they said, like, 30 kilos. I don't know what the conversion is, but, like, there was, like, huge, an astronomical amount of magnesium in those tanks. But you do feel amazing. Which is why they don't have to coronate them and stuff. Hmm? But you do feel amazing when you come out. So good. And my skin felt good. I was just floating on air. I went with a girlfriend of mine really needed a bit of de-escalation as well and we both went oh we need to make this a regular occurrence it was just great so that's my ideal indulgent self-care yeah it's on my list too I don't do it enough but now you've reminded me I think I might go book one because <laughs> <laughs> that's you forget don't you and you're yeah. like you do it's been ages I must go and do it yeah well it's on my to-do list because I asked for a gift voucher to Coastal Float which is our local one for Christmas so that's what I got from my secret Santa awesome so it's begging to be booked as soon as possible yeah do it go and enjoy yourself Mm. we've already touched on the aspect of being the best versions of ourselves who or what inspires you to be the best version of yourself I would have to say predominantly my faith, my belief system is probably the one thing that 
I've done consistently for the last 20 years. I'm not very consistent. I struggle with being committing to something and just doing it habitually. I struggle to make those self-care habits, which I'm getting better at because I'm scheduling them. I'm putting them on a whiteboard and I'm doing that kind of stuff. But I found a faith after losing my flatmate to suicide, which was primarily brought on by domestic violence, which really resonated with my background as well. And that changed my worldview completely and gave me, I guess, a, a realization that you always have an opportunity to choose the life that you want. And I do remember the night that she died. I sat there and thought, this can either be the worst thing that ever happens to me and I'll be a perpetual victim, or I can make this the best thing that's ever happened to me and I can find a way out of this to help others and make this the best thing of my life, you know? And so so really the worst day of my life was also the best day of my life. So that that really sent me on a very different trajectory from what I otherwise would have been on. And then I must say that my husband and kids are certainly a driver as well. And I've got three incredible little boys who inspire me to pursue a purpose of raising great men. So raising great men is really close to my heart. I want to raise men that support and love and stand beside the women that are in their lives. And so a lot of what I do comes from a desire to, you know, to change the world by creating and raising good men who make a difference. So um, I also married one. So that also helps that my kids have a great role model in him. That's so beautiful. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear about your flatmate. That's tragic. That's it was 20 years ago on um, St. Patrick's Day just gone, actually. Wow. So it surprised me how long it's been because I saw it happen on St. Patrick's Day. So whenever I see the green, it's, it's a bit of a trigger, but not... I wouldn't say it's been an emotional trigger in, you know, it was maybe the first year or two, but after that, I really honestly have found peace in that. And it's really, it changed me so much to my core and changed me as a person and it changed how I see life. And so I'm definitely a better version of myself. And it makes me on that day, it makes me really thankful for, for the life that I have and for the people that I have in my life. And it, I guess it just makes me realise how lucky I am. It's really interesting how it changes your viewpoint. I mean, mm. I lost my mum and my brother within six years of each other, both in road tra uh, traffic accidents. Wow. So, you know, it's like you, something positive has come out of that tragedy because I'm like, they, like, I'm now older than both of them were. My mom was only 37, you know, my brother was wow. 21. And I'm like, I'm getting the opportunity to live. I want to live the life that I want to live. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, photo, there's a photo sitting here by me at the moment. And they're always there constantly inspiring me to keep going, following my dreams. Because I'm like, they didn't get the opportunity, but I'm still here and I've got the opportunity and I'm going to make the most of it. So Absolutely. Yeah, it's like... That hear you kind of seeing something similar in your story as well it's interesting isn't it how it can affect us one way or the other yeah when the night that it happened I was working in emergency not actually as an emergency nurse then I was working in transit so I'd been transporting a patient and I was stuck and and I'd been worried about her there'd been a few things that made me concerned and I was trying to call her and and so I was home much later than I otherwise would have been and when I got home, I just knew something was wrong. The house was all open. It was all dark. But 
I guess I had been spending a lot of time in emergency then and I saw the people that just turned up to emergency all the time and they had such sad stories and had come from such adversity and, you know, they'd seen more than they should have, 100%. But I just, I knew I didn't want to be a statistic. I didn't want to be somebody that just kept on turning up to emergency and kept on crying out for help but not actually getting it. And I knew that I had to just make a choice, that it was going to be something that I turned into a positive. And I, I guess for me that was a very deliberate decision and it has been, you know, it has been amazing. I can't say that I regret what happened because otherwise I wouldn't be here doing what I'm doing and I am inspired by her still and I am inspired by my faith and I guess a belief that I can make a difference and a belief that I'm the only one of me and if I don't do it, then who's going to do it? So, you know, you only get one life to live. You have to make the most of it. Totally. And we're all products of our past, but we get to choose our future, you know? it's Yeah. Yes, we're getting philosophical now. (laughs) (laughs) So let's focus on your amazing retreats before we wrap up. Tell us all about them, what your vision is, how people can access them, how people can help. Like, I'd love to hear more about this so that we can really get the support that you need out there to get this off the ground. Thank you. I guess it came to me as an idea at the start of the year. I'd had a little bit of downtime over over Christmas, New Year, and I'd taken the time to read a book, which I never do. And so I was just in this really clear headspace, but I was frustrated because I knew that I needed help and I've been in a state of burnout for longer than I'd like to admit, if I'm being honest. And I knew that I needed to find a good solution. And I guess even before the pandemic, my healthcare colleagues were experiencing burnout, compassion fatigue, and yes, moral injury. And we can't continue to ask so much of our frontline providers without giving them the resources and support that they desperately need. And although I know there's no simple solution, we need to start focusing on a leadership movement that is willing to focus on a culture of safety and ethics. And time is running out. We need to start protecting and supporting our clinicians with mentorship and coaching and genuine compassion and podcasts like you do. You know, there's there are resources out there but I wanted to bring them all together. And I wanted to provide something that gives nurses a tangible way to de-escalate from the trauma that they're going through. And, you know, long after this pandemic is finished and it's a distant memory and COVID-19 is merely part of a patient's history, like we'll still need our nurses. So we need to protect them. And I, I guess I want to provide a space for nurses and health responders to be heard, to be nourished, to have, great conversations where they can not just have a bitch session but have a productive conversation about what the environment looks like what is in our sphere of influence what can we do to change our healthcare model right now and how can we take responsibility and control of our own feeling of self-worth and value i do want to ensure all our participants around australia have access to a landing point to breathe, to rest, and plan a way forward from the moral injury that they're enduring. And I believe that self-care is more than just a bubble bath and a book like yourself. (laughs) So, you know, you say that a lot too. And so, and I, you know, subscribe to very similar key values to you. And so I guess our courses are centered around addressing those basic needs and finding a new balance 
to make the changes necessary for that journey of self rediscovery. So there'll be one day retreats, which are starting on the south coast of New South Wales. So it's the model is very achievable for nurses. And I didn't want to make it an overnight retreat to start with, because I know there's lots of single mums, there's lots of mums that have, you know, kids in school and need to get back for pickup. So I want to make it a model that's quite flexible and easy to get to. And I want to keep the price point under what it would cost for you to have a shift off. So that's my price point is keeping it less than what you would make in a shift. So I want it to be achievable and it includes some indulgence, a lot of healthy, nourishing food, great conversation and feeling heard, feeling valued, those caring conversations that challenge you to think what was happening in your environment at the time, and then some resources. So physical resources, breathing techniques, that kind of thing to help you de-escalate your body and give you some resources that you can continue to engage in that will give you support and nourishment and mentorship for the journey ahead because it's not just a one-day fix and I don't have any misconception that people are going to walk away going, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not burned out anymore. So I do want to provide a platform and I'm really keen to bring together people like yourself and collaborate so that other people see what you're doing in this space and other amazing nurse entrepreneurs are offering so many great resources. So I want to get those out there to that great audience and to those, you know, to those nurses that are really just looking for something and finding it hard to, you know, to pin down what works for them. Eventually, I'd like to do two night retreats. They'll be midweek so that you can still get to them around the kids. There'll be some weekend ones as well. And then moving forward from there, we plan to be giving back in terms of a scholarship, which would then support particularly domestic violence victims to engage in education and provide some living costs so that they can feel emancipated and empowered themselves. So I want to build a model that's serving nurses, but also giving back to the community. That it's a big goal. <laughs> it's huge, but I'm getting started. What a beautiful vision. I love it. I love it. And it it's such a beautiful starting point, like you said, for people who are out there not knowing where to turn, where to look. You know, you've got this amazing day experience that they can go to where they're going to feel supported, seen, heard, realise it's not just them that's feeling how they are. You know, I often find that when I do my workshops, when people start realising, oh, my God, it's not just me. You know, the room lights up. I get the goosebumps because just the energy completely changes and people just, they found their people, you know, and they just it's an amazing thing to watch. And you're providing them with all these resources for going forward. You know, I think it's a, an absolutely amazing thing that you're doing. Thank you. I am planning to start with a survey and I want the survey to be a survey that allows nurses to be heard. So it's called the Be Heard Survey and it'll be up on my social media pages and on my website. We can put a link in the podcast. Yeah, cool. We'll pop a link in the show notes. So, you know, if we can get, I want at least 10,000 nurses to engage in this survey, feel like they have a platform 
to voice their concerns. And I am still in the beginning stage. Well, I guess I'm still in the infancy of this nurse retreat. I'm still in the infancy of the guidelines and the content. We're still developing our amazing group of collaborators and board members that will continue to build on this and support it with evidence-based practice. And, you know, they're experts in their field and we're going to, it's going to be so robust and really valuable and very encompassing of the values that we hold. So I do want it to be thought out and I'm taking my time with it, but we have also have to start somewhere, right? You can't just make it perfect before you get started. You have run a pilot one, haven't you? Yeah, I did actually ran a pilot one in February with six nurses. And it was really well received. It was an amazing day and I was so scared to do it, but I did it anyway. And it just, even the content that I had, we didn't even make it through it all because the conversations were just so engaging and so helpful. And really what I'm hearing is that nurses want to be heard. They want to share their story. And so our survey will allow them the opportunity to be heard and have their stories recognized and from that we can tailor a few more parts of our content to make sure that we're addressing the needs of the nurses that's so that's the plan yeah i will put the link to the survey in the show notes so excellent thank you is it just the australian nurses you want to respond australia yeah look i don't actually care if you know nurses all around the world can respond Look, the more nurses are heard, the better. So in the survey, there will be an opportunity to say where you're from and give a little bit of context to your experience. Because I know that depending on which kind of ward you work on will dictate what your experience has been, particularly in the last few years. So, you know, it's not limited to just nurses. You know, I'm, I guess I would like to blow that out to other caring professions as well that are experiencing burnout and fatigue. Look, this it could go on and on because talking to the accountant the other day who's who says the accountants are experiencing burnout and fatigue and we I think the whole world is in this state of unknown like the unknown we've never before anticipated you know the control and the you know the sanctions that we've had on freedom and you know and I guess the isolation that people have felt going along with that so I think there's so many and the extra pressures on our jobs, you know, no matter what kind of job people have had to stretch and accommodate different circumstances to do their job. And meanwhile, they're managing kids as well and homeschooling and, you know, all the, all the things that we've done. And I think that we need to recognize that it's not just nurses that are feeling the effects of burnout, but yes, I'm focusing on health professionals and first responders and nurses yeah so that's that's the immediate one is it open to males and females absolutely absolutely i found that my the retreat style that i've initially formatted isn't as appealing to a lot of males so as i progress the um i guess the the activities will change a little and there'll be different opportunities not to necessarily appeal to males or females but to appeal to different people that have different self-care needs. So, you know, I'm planning to do a retreat in Jindabyne in the Snow Mountains, 
which will then, you know, it's exciting. I want to do a trek up Mount Kosciuszko and uh, there's so many ideas and so many people have come up with great ways to collaborate. So I'm just in this really exciting space where we're going to start popping up with lots of different types of retreats and they will appeal to different audiences. So 100%, I'd love males to be involved in this. Awesome. So where do people go to start watching out for all these amazing retreats coming up? What's your website? The website is www.rnretreats.com. Okay, and do you have social pages? I can put links to them all in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. So I've got, I've got the socials pages on Facebook and Instagram, and they're both RN retreats. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been so awesome chatting to you. I feel like we could chat for hours. Um, I think we could. <laughs> we will you have to keep us updated on what's happening you have to come back i'd love to and thank you so much elena for what you do i've been binging your podcasts for the last couple of months since i discovered you and it's been so lovely to connect with people that are on my page and finding your people it's just it feels like a whole world has opened up with the connections that i've made just coming up with this business idea it's been such a blessing to me and so encouraging and to find other nurses that prop me up and so supportive and you know collegial and we're you know we're here to work together and collaborate and help each other it's just it's such an amazing space to be in so i'm really i'm really thankful that you've had me on the program and yeah i'm really thankful just to have met somebody like yourself and you're really inspiring and keep going doing what you're doing it's great Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. I'm very grateful that you find me inspiring. And I agree with you. When I first started out, there was, I found other people doing similar things as well. And I think it's that, like you said, it's the collaboration. There's no competition. We're all here with the same goal, the same mindset. We want to help our colleagues because we understand that there's a huge need for it. So the more of us that, collaborate and create something amazing the better absolutely welcome along thanks so much (laughs) thank you for listening to the happy nurse podcast if you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the happy nurse community head over to facebook and check out the happy nurse au facebook page and request to join the happy nurse community Also check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others.